Cell is the leading distributor of radiotherapy patient positioning equipment and physics QA products for the UK and Ireland, supplying both the NHS and private sectors. We currently have a busy event schedule and will be attending many conferences in the next few months, including ESTRO, UKO and many of the regional study days. For a full list of where to meet us, please do get in touch. As well as our event schedule, we also have a busy product portfolio that has recently been updated to. This includes Sky Factory for state-of-the-art visual LED lighting. We have MyQA Ion and IonRT from IBA for automated patient-specific QA for photon, electron and proton radiotherapy. And we also have MR Box from our AI suppliers at Therapanacea, allowing AI-powered MR-only workflows for a more consistent and high-quality planning pathway. For SGRT, we have a vast range of open-faced thermoplastic masks, as well as surface-guided compatible clear bolus from ClearSight, preventing any risk of interference between the skin surface and your SGRT solution. And as always, do not hesitate to get in touch to discuss your product and service requirements with our friendly and knowledgeable team. Our account and clinical specialists are from a radiotherapy and physics background, and we are more than happy to chat about the clinical benefits and the workflow of all of our products. Hello everyone and welcome to Oncology Professional Care event. So we are here, my name is Joe McNamara and my fellow colleague Norman George Anderson. Hi everyone. So we are really pleased to introduce our next, next guest who we've just seen in the keynote lecture. <laughs> Ellie, do you want to introduce yourself? Hello, my name's Ellie, I'm 22 years old um, and I'm six years in remission from cancer. So Ellie, we've had the pleasure of doing an Insta Live with you before to yes, talk about yes. uh, your cancer pathway and specifically your radiotherapy as well. Um, but obviously now you've been in remission for a number of years, Yeah. What, what are you finding living beyond cancer now is kind of stirring up for you? What's okay. life like? Yeah, it's good in the sense that, you know, I'm in my second year of medical school now. Um, I feel a lot fitter and healthier than I have previously. Um, but what's difficult for me is all the limitations that being a cancer survivor brings, um, especially because I'm in, in an environment with loads of healthy, fit 18 to 20 year olds. So it is hard not to compare yourself and to feel at a disadvantage to them, um, especially in such a competitive career path like medicine. Um, sometimes I do feel like I am at a disadvantage, but um, what I've spoken to people about and they say at least see that you have the advantage of being a patient once, yeah. at least that's something that you've got against your peers, that you do have that personal experience of what being a patient is like and it might help you actually better empathise with your patients. So I'm trying to focus on what um, you know I can do rather than what I can't do. Um, so that's the sort of mentality I've tried to adopt recently. <laughs> Sounds perfect. How have you found sort of speaking to people on the course about what you've been through? Yeah, it's actually been good. They've been um, quite good about it actually. Um, I got a few you know, shocked faces at first. Um, but no, generally overall people are quite inquisitive about it. Recently we had um, sort of an assignment where each group got given a topic and annoyingly I didn't get this but uh, <laughs> one group had the menopause right. and actually one of the boys from the group approached me at the medical school and said oh Ellie um, you know I've seen on your social media that you talk a lot about the menopause could you you know talk to us a bit about it so we can you know do a bit better with our presentation and get a bit more of a personal experience on it I thought that was like really mature and really nice of him that uh, you know he had the confidence to go up to me and ask me because I was more than happy to tell them 
So I think most people are, are really inquisitive, um, which is good. So what can you tell us about your experience of going through the menopause as a young person? What advice would you give out there to any healthcare professionals or patients who are experiencing that or supporting someone experiencing I think the first thing is to make sure you fully inform your patient of what they're going to get into because menopause is no easy feat. I think people see it as this very much natural thing, every woman will go through it, but actually I think especially when it's induced by chemotherapy or surgery, it's definitely not very natural and the symptoms can be, you know, absolutely absurd. Like and for it's me. Pretty immediate, yeah. Isn't it, for some yeah, it was horrendous. Like I thought I was like losing my mind. Like I literally felt like a 70 year old stuck in like a 17 year old's body um, which was really difficult and you know it was hard when I was trying to study for my A-levels but the brain fog I'd have to revise twice as hard as my peers I'd constantly forget the new concepts that we'd learn I felt so tired um, as I said in my speech um, my like vulva vagina area was constantly burning and irritated so it got to the point where I thought you know how on earth am I going to sit for a two and a half hour exam like this so I think the best thing that healthcare professionals can do is to fully inform the patient, refer them on to you know, different books, podcasts. Like for me, the Dr. Newsom podcasts and books have been you know, you know, so instrumental to help me learn about my own condition. At the end of the day, patients should learn for themselves what they've got, um, but having that push by a healthcare professional would be great. And then also don't be afraid to ask the embarrassing questions either. Like I never realised that my like, vaginal problems are due to the menopause. I thought it was just purely radiotherapy. So if one of my doctors asked me, you know, how's your vagina doing? Maybe I would have actually opened up and said, whereas before I sort of just, you know, kept it to myself because I was too embarrassed being like, um, you know, a young adult at the time. Uh, so yeah, I think, you know, patients should definitely be their own advocate as well because they know themselves better than a doctor does. Uh, I also, it's a shame not to do some kind of poll around the OPC and Excel Centre, but to actually ask healthcare professionals what are the signs and symptoms of the menopause and what advice would they give patients, because I bet you, unless you go through it, you you don't always necessarily know, or unless you've been taught it, and I wonder how much the menopause features in undergraduate training. Like it's brilliant that you got a case study at, at med school. That, that's yeah. brilliant to show that change. But I bet you, years ago, that would be featured. I know that Dr. Newson has done a lot to get it into the curriculum, uh, especially at medical schools. We've actually come across it numerous times, which is good. But no, of course, you know, at school we got taught about periods, okay, but uh, they didn't prepare any of us who might have gone into the menopause. And my mum, she hadn't gone through the menopause, so she was none the wiser either. And they did give me HRT at the time, but, you know, unbeknownst to me, it was absolutely minuscule dose. And of course, as you know, with the menopause, the HRT is not one size fits all. You have to, you know, adjust the dose, increase it. But I never had that checkup period. I was given this HRT and told, you know, go on your way now, you'll be fine. But then it wasn't until years later when I realised for myself, got a private menopause specialist, that I actually realised. And then I ended up getting a bone scan as well and uh, realised I was on the verge of, like, gopenia as well, which, you know, so it has more effects than just, you know, like the cognitive ones as well. Like, kind of a real effect on your bones and your... So obviously you said to ask about the embarrassing questions. What yeah. is sexual intimacy like for you now? Oh, terrible. <laughs> I'm, no, I, I'm a nun now. <laughs> 
because of uh, the radiotherapy it caused obviously like vaginal stenosis and now I have this condition called vulval lymphangiectasia. I managed to have cellulitis to the vulval area multiple times and that was extremely distressing to me at the time because I did have a boyfriend, ended up breaking up with him because I just couldn't cope with it. Yeah. And now, yeah, I'm a self-confessed nun, non-religious nun. <laughs> um, maybe it'll get better in the future. It was extremely horrible for me. That was the period of time where I thought, why, why did I even survive this yeah. treatment to live like this? But now, you know, I'm sort of just getting on with it, focusing on my studies. Um, but I think there definitely should be more counselling about uh, sexual health. One of the, you know, sort of one of the main side effects of pelvic radiotherapy is sexual dysfunction. Yeah, I was never told about that. I've never been told about that. I got um, discharged from my radiotherapy team a year after, um, you know, having treatment. And never was it mentioned, never was I given vaginal dilators. So I think they oh, sort of dis Sorry, yeah I was um, so yeah I was 14 when I had radiotherapy I was 15 slash 16 when I got discharged and I know I was only 14 but I was a 14 year old who they were hoping to cure and one day could be sexually active you know if it was just a prolonged life maybe I could have understood that but they didn't and then it, Do I you think it's a bit of, maybe more than embarrassment because you're under the legal age to be able to have sex. But do you think that might have been a factor? Maybe, maybe it would have been, but I would prefer to have had that embarrassing conversation and some sort of control over it. Maybe, maybe immediately it would have been like, no, I'm not sticking those things up my vagina. But, you know, if, if I had that control and then I could have the control of my life would pan out. Whereas I had to discover for myself when I was like 17, 18. And actually, a lot of people would use the phrase of, oh, no physical examinations, we need to stop stenosis from occurring. So actually that goes against even them not giving you dilators from that perspective, you know, uh, giving a medical exam, being able to go for your cervical screening. Yeah, that is a worry for me, yeah. If you yeah, it's like they thought, let's treat the cancer to eradicate the cancer, which fair enough, but they didn't think about the repercussions of yeah. their actions. And then, you know, ultimately I'm the one who's left with the issues now. When you, when you think, okay, maybe after your studies, when it's yeah. you know, not your top priority anymore, and you think, actually, I do want to start a relationship, I do want to yeah. kind of see whether or not sex is possible, is there help and support available for you? Has someone kind of already told you where you need to go to access that? Yeah, so my vulva dermatologist has um, referred me to a psychosexual counsellor, so hopefully that will get over like, my sort of fear of it as well. Um, but not only that, I've also been referred to a pelvic floor specialist, so hopefully there's that. They've recommended some medications like gabapentin, but I got addicted to gabapentin, so there's no way I'm going back on that. <laughs> so I'd rather just not take any medication for it. I guess it's just part of, part, most is internal work, just not feeling so ashamed by it. I felt extreme shame for it and felt like I was completely unlovable and have to be a single cat lady the rest of my life. Or a lesbian, but actually I really don't swing that way, so I don't... <laughs> so, uh, yeah, sadly not a lesbian, but um, yeah, hopefully I will get to that point one day, but at the moment it's still quite raw. I still have an injection on there, so it's off the cards at the moment. I think just realising that sex is not all of a relationship. It's hard to know that when you're surrounded by loads of basically horny 19-year-olds at yeah. <laughs> university. That's yeah, fun as it sounds. No, I just let it slide. I don't let it eat me up inside. Yeah. Yeah. Um. 
Okay, well, thank you so much, Ellie, for coming on. And again, we will share the link to your Instagram live with us. Um, it's great to catch up with you. Your tour is really inspiring. And I really hope that the healthcare professionals in the room take those core messages around patient education, you know, that consent process of not just going through the consent form, but really talking about what does yeah. each of these things mean long term for you um, in yeah. a personalised way. I think it's really important. So thank you. Yeah, I think it's important to realise that yes, the patient will follow, you know, the doctor's advice, prescriber's advice, but I think it's important for them to actually understand what it is as well. That's what's missing. Um, and it's not over a patient's head if you explain it in layman's terms. Um, you know, every patient will understand and they're willing to learn as well. Perfect. Thank you so Great. much, Ellie.